If you have your Bible, would you go ahead and open to um, Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, just keep your finger there, leave it in your lap. We will arrive there in a little while. I have a couple of things to point us to first and um, then we'll wind up in Ephesians chapter 4. I was um, actually multiple times fairly recently I was interacting with a member of our church family who was going through a really, really hard thing. And there was this repeated refrain that they just kept saying uh, to me and then to themselves. And I think ultimately, in a sense, meditatively to the Lord. And that was, I am so thankful for my church family. Couldn't do this without you guys. Over and over again, that's what they said. In this really hard time, one of the things that had been most helpful was being part of a Christian community and, and particularly part of, part of this Christian community. And um, I know that as you're sitting here on the lawn or if you're watching us online, um, by the way, it's actually kind of nice here, a little steamy, but it's, it's kind of cool um, being out here. So if, if you're at home, uh, maybe just pour some water on yourself and, and you'll feel you're like right with us. Um, yeah, I, I looked up this morning, and uh, if I read it correctly, we get five millimeters of rain every September. Five millimeters, which is, uh, there's 25.4 millimeters per inch, which means we get less than a fifth of an inch of rain in the entire month. Divide that by 30, that's a really small number. We got way more than that today, so we're good for a number of years. So maybe we'll do another service next September, won't have any rain issues. But I do thank you for being here, and for those of you that are tuning in online, thank you as well. Um, being part of a Christian community is really, really critical. It should be one of the things that is most uh, helpful, most impacting, most uh, blessing to us. And as I look around, I'm sure you have stories that you could share, and the stories are, are probably diverse. Uh, as I was preparing for um, this message, I just went online and read our reviews, uh, which, I, you know, when I was a kid, you didn't review a church. Kind of God reviews you, you don't review God, but I guess that's what we do now, and, and uh, there's reviews on some of you wrote reviews, we're grateful for those, and most of them are really, really good. Most of them are really, really good. Um, there are a couple on there that I suspect are kind of trolls, and then there's a couple of others on there that are um, hard because I think that person had a divergent experience from what I typically experience. And yet I can hear what's happened and hear how they're hurt and hear how they, they struggle with that. Right? A, a family, uh, we have different kinds of experiences at different times. My own experience has been that the, uh, with very few exceptions, there are of course a few exceptions, but with very few exceptions, the greatest joys of my entire life have been connected with this family. The greatest blessings of my entire life, with just a few exceptions, have been connected with this family. The greatest growth that I have experienced, the greatest encouragement that I have uh, undergone, uh, with very few exceptions, has been connected with this family. It's also true that the greatest pain, the greatest hurt, and the greatest struggle that I've had, with few exceptions, is connected to this family, because we're, we're a family. And families are filled with people, people like me, people like you. So there's challenges that come with that. But the reality is, um, families are great. Unless you have a radically dysfunction and broken family, which I know some people have. And it's always hard when we talk about family if you've had such a difficult 
um, background, if somebody in your family has done some great harm, some egregious wrong, and I am, I am really sorry for that. And I know it's always a challenge to now kind of recalibrate to listen through the ears that God would want us to listen with, because family is one of his favorite metaphors for the church. And so my, my prayer for you this morning is that both God would meet you in in the pain and hurt that you've experienced and also allow you to kind of recalibrate so that you can actually hear what he has for you and for me this morning because our families are really um, kind of how we experience life and God intends a better family, not to minimize the family I grew up in in the slightest, he created that one as well, but part of what he has designed is his church to function as a family. As, as a community that is committed to each other, that cares for each other, that will really be the greatest source of strength, the greatest source of encouragement, the greatest source of growth, the greatest source of help uh, for not only me, but for you, for our families. That's the picture that he's given us. And if, if you uh, will just let me read a few verses out of um, the Gospel of Matthew Um, I'll I'll give you a little picture of Jesus' idea of what his family is supposed to look like. Just real quickly, most famous sermon, he starts by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who know they don't have everything together. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are mourning. They'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek. They'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called sons of God. There's these descriptions, and those aren't commands. He's not saying, here's what I want you to do. He's saying, this is who you are if you're my family. This is what I'm making you to be. And and it's an alternative kind of person, different than the world around. Now, since I come out of the world... That's a process that the Holy Spirit works out in me over time, and I have to cooperate with that. But what God is doing is he's changing my heart, and he's changing my my whole perspective and my character to bring it in line with his and to create something really, really beautiful. And he's doing the same thing with you. And then as we live together well by the power of his spirit, that is multiplied, and we help each other with that, and it becomes a beautiful thing that the whole world can, in fact, see and be blessed by. That's how he goes on. He says, we're the salt of the earth. He says, we're the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. That's Jesus' picture of his family, his church. He's saying, I'm going to make you a certain kind of people, and your hearts are going to shift You're not going to be the self-assertive and um, self-aggrandizing and self-absorbed ones. doesn't mean you're going to be um, pushovers. It doesn't mean you're going to be weaklings. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is having a deep trust in God that says, I'm just going to follow him. And if that costs me everything, I'm okay with that. And if it's time to stand up and fight, I'll stand up and fight. And if it's time to even allow myself to be wronged, I'll allow myself to be wronged because my security is elsewhere. It's not in myself. It's in God and his goodness and his sovereignty and and he's got control. The peacemaker, the one who's trying to bring, not just helping people get along in general, but a deep wholesomeness 
right? He said, I'm going to make people who are like that. And as you live together, you're going to shine in the world. That's Jesus' picture just in part of his family. A little later on, he says to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. God's family is one that lives in a hostile world. We sometimes feel the world is hostile towards us, and it is. But the world is hostile towards itself. It's hostile towards everything. The world we live in is a difficult place. And what Jesus says is, I envision a family that will be able to live in that world and will not be overcome by it. Will ultimately triumph. The last thing that he says in the book of Matthew is he says um, his, his 11 disciples meet him in Galilee where he told them to go. And he came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And as he is speaking there, he pictures a family that is embracing, that is loving, that is pursuing others. It's not self-absorbed, but it's one that actually wants to bring everyone into relationship with God, where everyone can be healed and everyone can be whole. A family that is caring for itself, not just in general terms, where we all feel good about being around each other, but where we actually help each other grow, where we disciple each other so that over time we become more and more like Jesus. Jesus pictures a community that is being transformed from the inside out, that will prevail even in a harsh and difficult place ultimately, and that is embracing of everyone and helps bring his changing power into everybody's life. That's what he pictures when he talks about his family. And when we talk as a church about saying, our goal is to join Jesus in offering people a better story for their lives and a better family, that's the picture. That's the picture. The New Testament goes on and it gives us a number of other images and you're probably familiar with many of them. There's a, the picture of the temple that is growing. There's a picture of the, the new humanity or the, the nation of God, the priestly nation. There's a picture of a body that is properly joined together and working well. And perhaps most frequently, the idea of a family. And I think the idea of a family is so frequent, it's not just that there's key passages that teach on it, it's just assumed. Everywhere we read in scripture, it's talking about God our Father, and it refers to each other as brothers and sisters. There's this idea that you and I would live as a family. There's a lot of things the Bible tells us about his church that are true of it, but one thing that's not in there is it's not optional. It's not, it's not an add-on. It's not something that kind of enhances my life. It's actually fundamental. It's foundational. It's essential. And so the question that I want us to look at this morning in our own lives is, is as I look at church, as I look at my church, this church here that's gathered on the lawn and, and around the TV and the, or, or the, the, the computer screen, whatever, in your home, how am I looking at my family? Is this really a family? Is that how I live within this family? Is this an optional thing that kind of adds a little zest to my life when it does and when it doesn't, then I don't need to worry about it? Or is this something that is foundational? 
because the church Jesus pictured is it's foundational. It's, it's not an optional thing. And I think if we're going to look at being the church of Jesus Christ, we need to peel back the layers of what have kind of accumulated in our culture and in our own hearts and minds and look at what Jesus says. Right In our culture, it's actually become increasingly common to look at, at being a family together as kind of an optional thing. Um, I was interacting with somebody from a different church altogether. David and I were interacting um, different place, actually, but long, long-term in ministry, and uh, they've, they've seen some changes happen recently. Same leadership, faithful all the way through. The changes were agreed upon by the leadership, things that really need to happen, and, and being an outsider that's seen it, it's like, oh yeah, those things needed to happen, and yet it's hard, and so there's people that are beginning to opt out, large numbers. I don't like that. I'm not going to be part of that anymore, and I just wonder how how do we come to that kind of place? There's a time and a place to plug into a church. There's a time and a place to unplug and find a different church. That's true. But what, what determines the time and the place? And it seemed like this person was really hurting because they'd been so faithful and yet people were seeming to treat the family as an optional thing. And I don't like where the family is right now, so I'm out. Sometimes we treat it as optional because um, we just want to pick and choose. We want to shape the family around ourselves. And, and if this is working for me, that's great. This is a good youth group, I'll do that. Or this is a good life group, I'll do that. Or I like the worship here, I'll do that. And there's, there's place for all of those things. But part of what this series is intended to do is to back us up and say, wait a minute. Let's not just approach the idea of church with all the cultural trappings that we have. Let's actually listen to Jesus. The church of Jesus Christ is his plan. Full stop, no qualifiers. The church of Jesus Christ is his plan. And that church always, always, underscore, no qualifier, always expresses an unidentifiable, local, committed, missional, loving, transformative, ordered community. That's what we try to be as a family here. And as you and I are kind of looking at afresh what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ, that's the encouragement is to back up and keep those things central. Right? My life group doesn't function as a church. doesn't matter how good it is. It is not ordered. There's no elders. There's no authoritative teaching. There's a whole lot of things that are missing. Right? Watching online, by the way, for those of you that are watching, we will continue to broadcast indefinitely. We think it's a wonderful tool. We think for some people there's just no way to come. For other people there's reasons why it just doesn't work. For others you're just checking it out. You are always welcome. You're always welcome, but as we wrestled with and prayed through coming out of COVID, what's the role of online? We've just come back to the idea that for the church to really function, we have to be together. Because it, it's not just a few words that are spoken or a few things that I can take and incorporate into my life. It's this, it's this vibrant, living, together community. And that's what God is calling us to do. That's what he's calling us to be. And so as we go through this series, 
I just want to gently press on a number of things and have us just look at them and say, how do I look at my family? My family, this family here is wonderful. Uh, I, I say that not because I'm the lead pastor. I started here before I was ever on staff. I've never regretted being here, even at the hardest of moments. It's been truly a blessing and profoundly transformative to be part of this community. And I know for many of you, you have found that to be true. For some, maybe not. And maybe God will use that to direct you to a place where you will thrive. Or maybe God will use that to direct you to things in how you are engaging that are preventing you from thriving so that you can change those and thrive. Because this is God's plan that we would love one another and live together with one another and encourage one another and strengthen one another and support one another in such a way that everyone can see God is real, the spirit is active, things change, and I want to be a part of that. That's what Jesus intends for us. So I want to give you a couple of thoughts as we begin to transition to um, Ephesians 4. Um, the first thought is this, and it's embedded there, but we're going to read most of the chapter, so I'm just going to give you some highlights. So I want to I prep you beforehand so you'll be able to see this. Right? It starts off by talking about walking worthy of your calling. The reality is you and I are part of Jesus' church. That's not something we opt into. It's not something we opt out of. Once we come to faith in Christ, the Spirit places us within his body, and he expects us to be part of a community that is visible and active on a local level. Right, so that's who I am. I'm either doing that well or I'm not doing that well, but that's not actually the optional piece. And so it starts by saying, I want you to pay attention to how you're walking to make sure you're walking in a worthy manner. And this is gonna tell us a lot of things about that worthy manner, and they're all related to how we function together as a church. And one of the things that I think is really helpful, I've thought about this, and I'll give you this as, as a couple of questions that you can ask yourself, try to ask myself, which mindset is, is shaping my engagement with my brothers and sisters? One mindset, which is pretty easy to fall into, is what's in it for me? What's in it for me? The other mindset is who am I in it for? totally flipped around. But because Jesus has placed me into his family, and Ephesians 1, I won't read those verses to you, but it starts off, Ephesians is about the church, right? And it starts off by, taking, by saying more than one time, this is all to the praise of his glory. These things are happening so that he will be glorified. You and I are brought into this new family for our good, absolutely, but for his glory. And when I approach my whole life, through the lens of what's in it for me, I'm already off on the wrong footing. When I approach my life in the family of God is, who am I in it for? Jesus put me here, so what does that mean at this moment? That will help me to navigate when things are hard, when things are joyful, when things are boring, because families are like that. Sometimes it is so exciting to be together. And sometimes you probably feel, I don't wanna be together. And sometimes you're like, oh, this is boring. Sometimes, oh, that was so amazing, right? Our experience is going to be all over the map. 
And if I'm driven by what is common in the culture, what's in it for me, I'm going to be all over the map. And the church is not going to function the way it's supposed to function. This isn't a, a voluntary association that I kind of opt into. This is, this is the family of God that he's placed me in for his purposes, which ultimately are for his glory. So switching to that question of what, not, not what's in it for me, but who am I in it for, will help me determine you know, whether I'm walking in a worthy way or an unworthy way. So we're going to read Ephesians 4. I want you to look for two different tracks. Here's the two points we're going to take. There's a lot of things that could be said about the church, but this morning... If we want to have that better family that God promises, that only happens as we cooperate with him. If you want that better family, you want this family to be that better family. You want to have that kind of experience. And you want other people to have that kind of experience. Ephesians 4, as I've read it, give us kind of two tracks to run on. One is preserving something. And the other is serving preserving and serving, right? Or I'll give you other words if, if you want because I want it to stick with you. So you can stick with those words. That captures a major dimension. Or the same topics can be captured with the idea of guarding something and then giving. So take your choice. Which outline do you want? It's like one of those audience interactive experiences. Preserving, serving, that's the outline for you. Or guarding, giving, that's the outline for you. But the idea is essentially the same. So listen, as we go through, and I read these verses, where are the passages, or what are the verses, what are the words that talk about what I'm guarding, what I'm preserving? It'll talk about the kind of heart we're to have. It'll talk about guarding our mouths and what we say. It will talk about preserving unity and love. Right? There are things that God is naturally doing that I can put at risk. I can actually damage and tear down if I'm not attentive. And so he says, be attentive to these things. Preserve these things. Guard these things. So listen for those as we go through. The other side of the outline, the serving or giving side, it's like, what does God want me to build up? He's going to talk about Ministry, the stuff that we do to help each other, the way that we use our words to build up each other, the way that we use our money to care for and serve each other. So listen along those two lines, and then we'll ask a couple of questions to give us some things to hopefully live out as we move forward. So Ephesians 4, and I'm going to start at the beginning. So listen through that lens. Where does it talk about preserving and guarding things like my heart and my mouth? Where does it talk about serving and giving, uh, ministry, money, making disciples, those kinds of things? And here's what it says. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body, there's one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Skipping down a few verses, verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, 
for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it may build itself up in love. Now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles. So we'll skip down. Uh, Let's go to verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, there's a lot there. There's a lot there, and I would just encourage you, if something sticks, that you'd spend some time meditating on that this week. I want to catch the broad themes. Actually, I think God wants us to be in Ephesians 4 a fair amount, because as I was talking with Derek this week, I didn't tell him where I was going to spend my time, and he's preaching. Uh, He said, I'm going to be preaching out of Ephesians 4. A few minutes later, I walked into Scott's office, and we were talking. I didn't tell him where I was going to be preaching, and he's preaching in a few weeks, and he said, I'm going to be preaching out of Ephesians 4. Now, we can either say, wow, that's going to be really boring. Can't we find something else to do? Or we can say, I think maybe God wants us to spend some time here to really meditate on this passage. And that's, that's the option I choose, because I think that's what he's saying. And in this passage, I just want to get a broad overview. It seems that the, roughly it breaks down into two kinds of categories. There's the, the guarding category and the giving category. There's the preserving category and the serving category. He's saying, if you want to walk worthy of what you've been called to, this life in the church, this life in Christ that the whole letter's about, then two broad themes need to be, you've got to be careful about some things to prevent damage. And you've got to be active in some things to promote growth. And you've got to do both of those things. So the preserving or guarding side, did you notice how it talked about our language? Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. That's a really heavy-duty command. Zero. Wow, that's hard. I don't know anyone who's ever achieved that other than Jesus. I certainly haven't. And that's part of our dynamic growing. And that's part of our dynamic as a family helping each other grow is we're on a journey and the spirit will empower us. And here's the goal. So the goal in my life and in your life for this family needs to be, we would be ones that guard unity, that we preserve unity. We preserve family peace. We guard our mouths. We use our words wisely. We open our hearts. In fact, for many of us, if I can say it this way, I mean it gently and I mean it first to me. 
one of the best things that we can do is close your mouth and open your heart. Close your mouth mostly. Obviously, we need to speak, and sometimes we even need to speak bluntly. But close your mouth mostly is probably something a lot of us would benefit from because it would change the dynamics of our family in some really important ways. I was reading this week Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was martyred for his faith, who was not afraid to speak the truth, not afraid to speak the truth to power. It cost him his life. He's not mealy-mouthed. He's not, hey, just be nice. He's someone who thought deeply. He wrote one of the classic books on what it means to live in Christian community. And he said this in there. I found this very interesting. He said, it must be a decisive rule of every Christian fellowship that each individual is prohibited from saying much that occurs to him. Think about that. It must be a decisive rule of every Christian fellowship that each individual is prohibited from saying much that occurs to him. That is 180 degrees out of phase with everything that goes on in our world. We live in a, if you thought it, you should say it, you should post it, you should put it on your bumper sticker, you should do a TikTok about it, you should make a shirt about it, you should be sure to proclaim it loudly, celebrate it, and if anyone's unhappy with that, that's their problem, they're a hater. Say what you want. Not just that's a good idea, it's actually a moral imperative. It's not. It's not. So much problem comes from me having a harder time listening than talking. God gave me two ears and one mouth. The math seems pretty straightforward. And if you think that's just a cute little thing, read James. James is pretty clear. I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer said something really important here, and it says, if I want my family to thrive, I have to corral my tongue. But I can't just corral my tongue because it's out of the abundance of the heart. It's out of the overflow of my heart that my mouth speaks. And so as he talks about healthy life within the family of God, he says, hey, look at your heart, look at your humility, look at your love, and guard your words. So how am I doing? Preserving and guarding. This is an important family. This is my family. This is your family. And while it's beautiful and prevailingly powerful, it can also be amazingly fragile. And he's calling us to say, guard that. Guard the unity, guard the peace, guard the family by guarding your heart towards each other and guarding your mouth. The other thing he talks about is, you know, here's things that we can do to tear down what God is doing. Now he talks about what we can do to build up. Right, there's a lot in this passage about serving, about giving. He says, hey, don't steal. In fact, work hard so you have some money to give away, for instance. He said, hey, God has given you a ministry. In fact, he's put people within the family, like key leaders, 
to equip you so that you can do ministry. Right? It's for all of us. In fact, sometimes it's easy to think that the primary role in ministry is mine. It's not. It's yours. This passage says my job is to help you so that you can do that. Right? There's this idea that I need to engage in, in serving and, and building up. We're a family, which means we have a claim on each other. I owe you things. And you owe me things. And that gets uncomfortable when I live in a mindset of what's in it for me. And I don't say it that way because I know that's wrong. And I know that's rude. But if I'm really honest and I peel away the layers and I look at what drives me, so often what really drives me is what's in it for me. And then to think that you have a claim on me You have the right to expect things from me? Oh, I don't think so. It's no wonder so many churches and so many people have such a struggle. Because that's exactly what God says. We belong to each other. We are God's children. We are his family. We are his household. We are a body. It says that, you know, when the body's functioning properly, we work together and we build ourselves up into the fullness of Christ and we do that in love. That's an active engagement saying, I'm going to use who I am, what I have, what God's assigned to me to help you thrive. And I'm counting on you to do the same for me. I will depend on you and I will be dependable for you. Not perfectly, but honestly, with integrity. Bonhoeffer said something else. He's a wise man, or was. He's wiser now. He talks about active helpfulness. And he says, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. We may bypass them, preoccupied with our more important tasks as the priest passed by the man who had fallen among thieves, perhaps reading the Bible. It's a strange fact that Christians and even ministers frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they will allow nothing to disturb them. They think they're doing God a service in this, but actually they are disdaining God's crooked yet straight path. Now, what does that mean? It means if I'm going to be the one who's building up, using my words to build up, it talks a lot about that. The one who's serving and using what God's given me to help you thrive. You have a claim on me. I need to be ready to invest that, whether it's convenient or not. Now, it's, it, nobody, gets, nobody gets an absolute claim on me but God. And that's the safety, right? I can't be held hostage by any one person their needs, their desires, their expectations, because I'm accountable first to God. But God does expect me to be available and caring for you. And not because I'm the lead pastor, but because I'm part of this family. And he expects you to be available and caring and invested for me. That's the way families work. So, Some of us, this morning maybe the message is get your serve on. Get your serve on. What is it that God's calling you to do? It's a wonderful family. But it needs you. And it needs your help. And it needs what you have. 
I need what you have. As you need what I have. And the picture that Jesus has for us is that we would be investing in each other. That we would be those who are ministering. That's what the ministry fair is about. In a minute, we're going to give you a chance. And here's my encouragement for you. If you are already actively invested in a significant... I would define ministry this way, by the way. Because it's, it's not something to just tick a box. It's a real part of life. I think ministry should be intentional. It should be regular. And it should be significant. It should be an intentional, regular, significant investment in my family. It doesn't necessarily have to be formal. Some people actually do that without ever having a job description. Other people, it's like, hey, what's going on? I'll sign up. I want to be a part. How can I intentionally, regularly, and significantly be involved? That would be the question that I think God would have for us this morning. For some of us, it's taking it to the next level. We talk about disciples who make disciples. It's not just kind of doing something to, to help in general. I need to be more personal and, and, and identifying people that I can help, that I can pour into. Who am I pouring into? I can actually be part of God changing the world. His church is what he designed for that. And it's filled with people just like you and me. You can actually literally make a dramatic change in this world by just how you invest in, in the family of God. It may seem like that's hard to do. I was in Africa on a ministry trip and I was um, in a little tent cabin, you know, a wooden base with a canvas sides and it's just outside of a, a, a <laughs> an African game reserve, right? So my canvas walls aren't protecting me from raccoons and skunks, they're protecting me from lions and crocodiles and rhinos and I'm thinking, yeah, and we're sitting right on the water, right? So hippos, which are actually the most dangerous animals and crocodiles are right there and, and I just have canvas walls. And you know what they have? They have an electric fence. They point that out and say, there's an electric fence, you're safe. And I looked at it and it looked like three kite strings. <laughs> just three little kite strings. And I'm thinking, I don't think a hippo's gonna go, I don't think I can get through that. That looks pretty intimidating to me. But those three little kite strings had a whole lot of electricity running through them. And in fact, they were very effective. No problems with hippos or crocodiles or anything else because it's not the size of the kite string. It's the voltage of the electricity, the amperage, the flow. You and I may be little kite strings but the Spirit of God has chosen to work in the family of God. And while I may be really small, the amperage can be infinite. And how we function as a family can make a huge difference. But it requires us to function as a family, which means all of us, all of us. And our hope this morning is that wherever you are in your journey, you'd say, yeah, I'm part of the family and just be encouraged by how you've already been involved. Or saying, I'm part of the family, it's time for me to get more involved. It's time for me to do something. Or maybe it's time for me to change. I've been running my mouth too much and closing my heart too much, and I want to see that flipped around. That's going to be hard. God, I need your help. But he says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that I've given you, and that will cash out with a beautiful family that you're an integral part to. So our prayer is this. 
So we finish up this morning. We're going to sing a little bit more. The worship team can go ahead and come. The um, ushers can go ahead and prepare to take the offering. We'll take the offering. Um, obviously, we're less formal today. So when everything is said and done, uh, you could turn that way and just disappear. You could turn that way, grab some food and disappear. I would encourage you not to do that. I would encourage you to turn that way and go plug in. Or if you're already fully plugged in, turn that way, connect with some one or two people in leadership, pray for them, pray with them, support them and encourage them. And if you've not found a place to plug in, I would encourage you to talk to at least three different ministries before you leave. And we'll try to help you. Just just see what God has for you. That's our encouragement this morning. There is a little food over there. You don't have to leave quickly. I'm going to ask the ushers to take the offering. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy and the fact that you've brought us together as a family. For all of our weaknesses and frailties and foolishness, there's just so much beauty too. I cannot, Lord, I cannot personally thank you enough for this family, for the blessing it has been to me and my wife and my daughters for decades. I cannot thank you enough for allowing me to be a part. I pray that you would help me on my part to be a fruitful family member, to love well, to lead well, to serve well, to have the right heart, to use my words well. Pray that for all of us. And Lord, even as we give these gifts right now, I pray that that would be one act of service, one act of worship, and that you would multiply the impact of that for the sake of your name. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.